Hey folks, this is Jesse Cope, back with another episode of the American Soul Podcast. Hope y'all are doing well, wherever y'all are, whatever the part of your day it is. We can go for one of our little walks down the road. Have quite a few birds in the background, as I'm sure you can hear. A little bit of wind. No puppy dogs yet. We'll see. Spring is definitely upon us here. And I would be remiss if I didn't tell y'all, thank you for giving me a little bit of your time. I know you have other things that you could be doing. And thank you for those of y'all that continue to spread the word about the podcast and help it continue to grow, which which it is. So thank y'all so much. All right. So we're going to get into one thought of and forgotten and thought of again over the last few months and for whatever reason it fits here if y'all are I'm going to tell you I'm going to give you a little heads up too I meant to do this I think I have found a resource that I'm pretty excited about we'll, we'll see I'm digging into it though but hopefully the next few podcasts I'll be able to share it with you it's pretty phenomenal it took me a while to pull the trigger on it, but I'll dig into it and we'll get to talk about it some. This, though, goes back to 1960s, I think. I'll look at the date again in just a minute. But it is a radio personality that some of y'all are going to know, some of you may not, who was around for a long time. Uh, I grew up hearing him quite a bit during the summer, at least. My parents would listen to him. The guy's name is Paul Harvey. And just a few things that I remember. I always seemed to be a real short segment that he did uh, each day. I think it was each day. And there were two things that I really remember. He would do bits and pieces of the news, whatever he found important. And there was always the rest of the story, which was he did. A, he was a great storyteller and he would kind of leave you hanging at the end and they would go to commercial break or whatever. And then he would come back and tell what he always called the rest of the story. And it, I, even as a kid, I remember being intrigued by it. So he must have been pretty good to keep a kid's attention. And the other thing I remember is that at least from outward appearances, he really was a man of integrity. He he would not allow advertisers unless he had tried the product himself first and actually liked it and used it. So it wasn't just a matter of money. And I'm sure some of y'all have a lot more memories than I do of specific episodes, things that he talked about. One thing I did not know until I was an adult what I'm going to read to y'all today is that every so often he would do a section. Ooh, that wind just picked up. I hope that's not too bad for y'all. He would do a section called If I Were the Devil. It's pretty famous. He did multiple different, did it multiple times over the years. You can look it up online. And there's a few different versions because it wasn't exactly the same each time floating around out there. 
The one that I pulled up, theoretically, is from April 3rd, 1965 on ABC Radio. I'm going to read through this, and then we'll talk about it a little bit. If I were the devil, I mean, if I were the prince of darkness, I would, of course, want to engulf the whole earth in darkness. I would have a third of its real estate and four-fifths of its population, but I would not be happy until I had seized the ripest apple on the tree. So I should set about, however necessary, to take over the United States. I would begin with a campaign of whispers. With the wisdom of a serpent, I would whisper to you as I whispered to Eve, do as you please, do as you please. To the young, I would whisper, the Bible is a myth. I would convince them that man created God instead of the other way around. I would confide that what is bad is good, and what is good is, quote, square, unquote, or good. In the ears of the young marrieds, I would whisper that work is debasing, that cocktail parties are good for you. I would caution them not to be extreme in religion, in patriotism, in moral conduct. And the old I would teach to pray. I would teach them to say after me, Our Father, which art in Washington. If I were the devil, I'd educate authors on how to make lurid literature exciting so that anything else would appear dull and uninteresting. I'd threaten TV with dirtier movies and vice versa. And then, if I were the devil, I'd get organized. I'd infiltrate unions and urge more loafing and less work, because idle hands usually work for me. I'd peddle narcotics to whom I could. I'd sell alcohol to ladies and gentlemen of distinction. And I'd tranquilize the rest with pills. If I were the devil, I would encourage schools to refine young intellects, but to neglect to discipline emotions. Let those run wild. I would designate an atheist to the front for me before the highest courts in the land, and I would get preachers to say, she's right. With flattery and promises of power, I could get the courts to rule that what I construe is against God and in favor of pornography. And thus, I would evict God from the courthouse and then from the schoolhouse and then from the houses of Congress, and then in his own churches, I would substitute psychology for religion, and I would deify science, because that way men would become smart enough to create super weapons, but not wise enough to control them. If I were Satan, I would make sure that the symbol of Easter was an egg, and the symbol of Christmas, a bottle. If I were the devil, I would take from those who have, and I would give to those who wanted until I had killed the incentive of the ambitious. And then my police state would force everybody back to work. Then I could separate families, putting children in uniform, women in coal mines, and objectors in slave camps. In other words, if I were Satan, I'd just keep on doing what he's doing. Paul Harvey. Good day. And that's how he would, that was his ending. I didn't 
execute it very well for those of y'all that know Paul Harvey, but that was how he signed off each day. Paul Harvey, good day. Uh, we could talk about this for a long time. I do read one more quote before we start, or I start trying to pontificate any, and that is a quote from General Omar Bradley, one of the main U.S. Army field commanders in North Africa and Europe during World War II, and the first officer assigned to the post of Chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff. And this is a quote from 1948, a few years after World War II. We have grasped the mystery of the atom and rejected the Sermon on the Mount. The world has achieved brilliance without conscience. Ours is a world of nuclear giants and ethical infants. thought that went along pretty well uh, with Paul Harvey's comment about the ability to create super weapons but not being wise enough to control them. There's a lot of good stuff here, folks, in the sense that it's true, and it's what the left has been doing in the United States really for about 80 years now. Uh, it started with separation of church and state, which we hammer here, those court decisions uh, that took God out of, as Paul Harvey said here, out of the courthouses and then out of the schoolhouse. Uh, those were completely unethical and moral decisions with no basis because they couldn't find anything in the Declaration of Independence or the Constitution to get God out. So they went to a private letter of a president and then pretended that that really was what the founders meant, which either shows gross ignorance on the part of Supreme Court judges that are supposed to know the history and heritage of our country or malevolence. And we've talked about that and we'll continue to talk about that quite a bit. Uh, you know, the fact that he's talking here about do as you please to the young and the Bible is a myth. We teach that in culture. Uh, we refuse to even talk about God. There's a great quote by Reagan that I can pull just enough of about Christmas that says we're allowed to talk about snowmen and reindeer and Christmas trees and everything except about the person whose birth Christmas actually is. And he goes, one wonders how a teacher would answer a student if the student asked what the point of Christmas was. You know, because that's, that's what we teach kids today, that the Bible is just a myth. That it was something that men created instead of us being created by God in his image. So we're already doing that. Uh, the bad is good and the good is bad. We do that talk about uh, sex outside of marriage in any form is great. Uh, but then, and then once you get in marriage, you know, we're not supposed to focus on sex. That's not supposed to be something that we worry about in marriage anymore. Uh, it's not that big a deal. You know, we need to be emotionally connected or we need our self care or we need whatever the, the world is selling at that particular moment. We need to focus on our careers. We need to focus on our children, but we definitely don't need to focus on God. And, and nor do we need to focus on our spouse and loving them. And then we take those things that God created. And, and I, I focus on sex here, folks, because that's what our society focuses on so much. And we twist it and we, we use it in ways, pornography, adultery, uh, no-fault divorce, LGBTQ, uh, just heterosexual sex outside of marriage. And then you go step further and you say, well, at least in the heterosexual part, had sex, got pregnant, 
don't want to deal with the consequences, so we'll just go take care of that because it's just a clump of cells and get, you know, get rid of that. Work is debasing to young married couples, right? We want to we want to be entertained constantly. We spend money on it. My wife and I, we were actually talking about this. You, you have no idea. I think Netflix just recently upped the cost and we were looking at it and just decided, you know what, this is. And it's not much, folks, but it is an amount each month that we're spending, when you really think about it, just to be entertained. What are we getting out of it most of the time when you're watching Netflix? I'm sure some of y'all out there watch historical documents, uh, documentaries or, or you know, you, you get some intellect out of it. But I would argue for the vast majority of us, we're just sitting there waiting to be entertained. We watch things. We spend two, three hours watching something that really gives us no, it's not like it's increasing our vocabulary, our ability to do math, teaching us a foreign language, teaching us history. We get through with it and we've spent two hours watching something. And this goes back to priorities like we talked about recently. And But we don't have any time to, or very little time, you know, we got to be in a rush, don't have time to spend with God, certainly don't have time to love on our spouse each day. But we got that two or three hours to watch TV. We can sit there and watch uh, what's going on right now. We can watch March Madness. Sure, basketball game. You know, we can watch two or three of those for a few hours. We can watch reality TV, whether it's a talk show or Survivor or whatever else it is that you want to watch. Uh, we can sit around and watch romantic comedies and we can watch Marvel action movies or whoever is in the latest action thriller, but we don't have any time for God and we don't have any time for our spouse. So he got that right too. I thought it was really interesting when Paul Harvey said, tell the young not to be too interested in patriotism and moral conduct and religion, right? The Black Lives Movement and Antifa over the past few years have really accelerated that because now it's it's almost especially when you look at sports, which our young people are just absolutely inundated with sports. Right. We we spend more time in in athletics than almost anything else for a huge chunk of society. Uh, we spend hours and hours doing athletics and and it's hard for us to even get our family together to get to church for less than an hour a week. Right. But that's OK. That's normal. That's good. So we're not and we and we don't want to. But what the sports are pushing, right, is, well, you kneel before the flag and, and you turn your you turn your back on the flag because, God, that's just a symbol of racism and oppression and sexism. Right. So you get the young people to where they're not interested in God and they're not interested in patriotism and or moral conduct, because that's offensive, too. Right. You can't tell anybody else what to do. Everybody's right from their own viewpoint. And then the old people, you get them. Our father, which art in Washington, right? You get old, you start to get scared. Well, I need the government to take care of me. Nobody else is going to take care of me because we've so weakened the family bonds that your kids aren't going to come take care of you as an older person. So you need somebody to, you know, you, you hear all these people, we get all riled up about Social Security and I get it. Lord knows I've put more in probably than I'll ever get back based on previous careers. So I, I want... I want that that catch-all, that that safety net. I need that. So 
Paul Harvey's pretty spot on there. So we're going to pray to Washington now. We're going to trust them instead of God. Which is always so interesting. You, you hear the left talk so often about how we can't trust people, how capitalism is so evil, right? But yet they want us to implicitly trust a government that's made up of men. It doesn't connect. Dirtier movies, TV, books. I mean, we see this constantly. Even kids now today, the kids shows, the shows that are supposed to be for kids have uh, LGBTQ sex inferred explicitly or implicitly, you know, and you've got just, I mean, the people are half naked on TV and, and completely naked in movies. So it doesn't leave much to the imagination. And those are the only things that we're interested in. And then you throw in TikTok and Snapchat. Instagram reels or whatever else, so you can get pornography on demand on your phone. So they're doing, we're doing a pretty good job there. Oh, this one was great. Sell narcotics to them, I could, and alcohol, right? And then tranquilize the rest with pills. If you don't understand it, folks, or realize it, the number of young people today that uh, apparently have so many problems that they need to be medicated has just gone through the roof, right? Instead of discipline or anything else, we turn to a pill. Because Johnny or Susie, they've got ADHD or they've got this or they've got that and they've got to be medicated. I mean, that's the problem. It surely can't be the fact that the parents have disengaged or that the marriage has fallen apart or that we're going to spend hours and hours focused on anything but God and our marriage and country. No, it can't be that. It, it must be that our kid just needs medicine. So we'll dope them up so that they act right. If you don't realize that, folks, go uh, Go find a counselor somewhere at some school or a nurse or a doctor that you trust and ask them what the percentage of kids that are on medication is today. Uh, and then discipline emotions, right? Because we're all supposed to, however you feel is supposed to be legitimate. It doesn't matter what facts are. It matters just how you feel. And that makes truth, right? No. And then when you reject Jesus Christ, which is truth, that makes it even better, right? So we're just going to work on our emotions. Evict God from the courthouse, from Congress, his own churches. Oh, deify science, right? Because science now, Paul Harvey's statement there, uh, that's just great. Because everything today seems about the science. Trust the science. Trust the science. Never hear anybody say, trust God. Not from our from our politicians anyway, not from our leaders, the, the men and women who are supposed to be wise and knowledgeable and moral. You rarely ever hear them say, trust God. But yet we're supposed to trust science, which seems to change quite often. <laughs> Folks, and I feel I feel really comfortable saying that because all of my degrees, bachelors and masters are in science. Big fan of science. Uh, but trying to say that we need to trust science and ignore God, you know. Uh, make the symbol of Easter an egg and Christmas a bottle. I mean, that's that's pretty spot on. We Easter, we rarely even talk about Jesus Christ anymore publicly in Easter. I, I think, if I remember correctly, I need to go back and double check this, but last year I didn't pretty sure the president didn't even make any comments about Jesus Christ during Easter, which it's always mind boggling. How do you celebrate Easter or Christmas 
without Jesus Christ? Kind of seems impossible. And unless you just want to openly admit that it's just an excuse to take some time off work, not really to celebrate anything. And then toward the end, the police state, we see that more and more liberty taken away and taken away the incentive of those who want to work. I think it was Thatcher, prime minister for England, said the problem with socialism is that you eventually run out of other people's money or something along those lines, folks. That might not be the exact quote. But, and Jefferson said something along those lines, too, taking away from those who are willing to work to give to those who won't work will destroy a nation, and that's certainly true. And it's it's not, anytime you hear somebody that claims that socialism is based on the New Testament of Jesus Christ. It's a, just a patent, 100% lie. You could talk about the parable of the vineyard owner, owner where Jesus Christ looked at the, at the workers and said, you know, don't I have the right to do with my own money the way I see fit? And never once in all of the New Testament will you ever find really the, the Bible as far as I know. And, and I'm not, I'll be honest, folks, I'm obviously not an expert. But I've looked at it every once in a while. Never once will you find Jesus Christ saying, it's okay to threaten somebody at, at the point of a spear to take their money to give to the poor. Not, not one single time. And so when people say, oh, well, I'm, I'm just voting that way. Yeah, but you're voting that way with somebody else's money. And the threat is, if you don't pay taxes, well, you all know what the threat is. Socialism, you're not being kind or generous. You're taking from others to pretend that you're being benevolent. And then a couple things, and we're almost done, folks, down here, separating families. And we talked about that with Dewey and the Stalinist schools, right? Increase the number of hours that kids are in school. Take them away from their family. Take them away from God which we've done fantastic in education with, right? We, t we spend more and more time at school, which we can't spend any time talking about God, and that takes them away from mom and dad. And then we convince mom and dad that they both have to work, so nobody's at home to raise the kids, right? So that, that fits with what Mr. Harvey was talking about. And then putting children in uniforms, I think that really went along with school. Women in coal mines was kind of interesting because... He might have been making a little dig there about the fact that we feminism has so convinced women today that they're a failure if they don't work outside the home. Right. You're a, somehow a failure to your gender. You're a failure to your sex because only the really good women can manage to work inside the home and outside the home, which is a total farce to begin with, folks. If you told a man, any man, well, you've got to work two full-time jobs and you've got to produce the same quantity and quality of output in both of those jobs, they'd laugh at you. And yet that's exactly what as culture we've, we've convinced women to do, right? And then it's really even worse because we've convinced them that the professional is more important than the home life. And you go back to Reagan's comment about the family being the cornerstone of the nation, the strength of the nation, the strength of the family. You can't have a strong family, folks, without a strong wife and mother. And you can make, hey, look, you can make the same comment about the fathers, too. I, I'm not. Yes. Lord knows that our country is suffering today because of fatherless homes. 100%. And if you want to talk at it from a Christian point of view, 
if the husband is supposed to be the leader, well, how, the Marine Corps always, what they always hammered, you lead by example. So, yes, but you can't, it, it doesn't work either way. So the comment stands on both sides. You, you can't have a strong nation if you don't have fathers that are there, husbands first, and then fathers that are there to lead. And you cannot have a strong nation if you do not have wives first and mothers that are willing to put their husbands and their kids before themselves. So again, Paul Harvey's pretty spot on. And this is from 65, folks. This a long time ago. And he did this multiple times over the years. And it's great at the end. In other words, if I were Satan, I'd just keep on doing what he's doing. And, and it's really shocking. I already said this once today after church. My wife and I were talking about this. Or, or something, not this particular article, but we were talking about something along the lines of we look around and, and then we're shocked at what's going on. Like we just, we, I don't know if it's because we refuse to or we just can't make the connection between cause and effect. When you stand for immoral things, bad things happen. So what's the solution? The solution obviously is to turn back to God as a nation because this is a Christian republic in our individual lives. But even more importantly, this, this theme, what Paul Harvey was talking about here, folks, not more importantly, the most important is in your individual life to turn to God and Jesus Christ. But publicly, that's the problem we've got today, right? We've got both, but you've got to be able in a Christian republic to have the teachings of Christ at the center of your institutions, of your education, of your public policy. I think I'll stop there. One dog has come out and collapsed in the road. And I think that means that she's telling me that I've talked for long enough. <laughs> uh, thank you all, folks, for giving me some of your time. Hope you all have a wonderful rest of whatever's left of your day. Remember Patrick Henry's comment about whatever your sphere of influence is. Use it. Tell people the truth. Spread the truth. It helps, folks, every single little bit. God bless you all. God bless your families. God bless America. We'll talk to you all again real soon. Looking forward to it.